This is a Fubar Radio podcast. Go to fubarradio.com for more details. Screen Talk with Dan Clark on Fubar Radio. Hello and welcome to Screen Talk with me, Dan Clark. I'm in a good mood uh, because I've just taken a painkiller and I'm buzzing. Although I don't condone the uh, use of painkillers for recreational use. Uh, but if you have a shoulder problem like me, take them because it's, uh, it's a great little bonus to walk around feeling good. Uh, we have a wonderful show for you today. I have two guests, the very lovely and talented Jessica Nappett, star and creator of the hit E4 show Drifters. Uh, we'll be chatting to her later. And also to fill me in with the news and reviews uh, that's uh, been happening this week in the movie world, I have the newly appointed film editor... Is that yes. the technical? Sounds <laughs> great. Film person uh, <laughs> from Shortlist Magazine, uh, Mr. James Gill. Uh, but first of all, some music. Each week, I ask my guests to choose uh, some music. It could be a song, could be some score from, you know, a film uh, or t- or TV. Seeing as we've opened this out to television as well, um, and I also start the show with my choice. This one is. Uh, well, it's uh, it, it means a lot to me because uh, I discovered this film when I was thirteen. I'm sure if I rewatched it recently, it would be embarrassingly bad. But it was very important to me as a thirteen-year-old. It's from the Breakfast Club. This is Simple Minds. Simple Minds with Don't You Forget About Me. I always feel sorry for Simple Minds. Not, not like I don't see Simple Minds, but like their biggest hit, their massive hit was the one song they didn't write. That must they didn't be. Write that. No, they didn't write that. It was. It, I think. I think they were like the second choice for doing that song. I think they went to someone really weird like uh, UB40. No, no, I don't know who it was. But Could have been. yeah, I often do that. Though. I'll sit at home and worry about someone who's no longer that popular anymore yeah do you yeah do you worry about me then (laughs) i don't need to worry about you sweet cheeks you've just been on tour oh thank you um so yes we have james gill in the studio with us he is the newly appointed film editor at shortlist magazine he's also a brilliant stand-up comedian uh he runs what i think is one of the best comedy nights in uh cannington <laughs> That's one of uh, one of his many venues. Kennington Ballamans, where now? Putney. Putney. Yeah, he's taking over South London. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, so you're you're now moonlighting as a comedian and journalist, or you've been doing that for a while, anyway. Yeah, it's not easy. I'll be honest All with right. you. I've just come in here to get this off my chest. It okay. Is, uh, and I became a dad last year. Oh my there god! Just no, that's three jobs. There is no free time. No. Oh well, look, bro, um, Breakfast Club. You were just saying while that song was playing that you think it still holds up. Absolutely. Really? Yeah. And the guy who plays the principal. Oh, he's who's amazing. The bad guy in Trading Places. Oh, I love he's him. Just, John Gleason? No. John. That's one to Google where the next yeah, song plays. Jackie Gleason. But he's he's <laughs> awesome. He's so good. There's nothing better than that moment in Trading Places where he's on the phone. And he's just, oh my god! Excuse me. Fuck off. <laughs> Outstanding. I love that. And uh, John Landis, sadly. I, w- I often wonder what would happen with John... La- uh, not John Landis, sorry, John Hughes. Yes. John Hughes, I often wonder what kind of films he'd be making now if he was still around. Like, Maybe they've got he... more Linklater... Do you yeah. think? Possibly. I mean, we like, were chatting... We shot on a phone or something. We, 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 <laughs> we were chatting while the song was on. We were discussing our best... Our favourite John Hughes yeah. films. And we, I think we, we, we agree. both agree on... Trains, planes, planes and trains, ultimate, ultimate, yeah. just So perfection. good. Isn't it? And you yeah. said that um, that Steve Martin has been quoted as saying that John Hughes... John Hughes told him that he banged that out in the space of a weekend. Oh, God. Which is It's either a lie, or if it's true, I'm going to go home tonight and shoot myself. It's so depressing that he did that. How <laughs> can you write something that good? It, it's sort of, when you see that film as a kid, you think this is a hilarious movie. The, the scene with Martin having the breakdown over the rental car yeah. is phenomenal and then the older you get because some films don't age that well w- w- yeah, the older yeah. you get but that's a film that especially I think, in, from the 80s absolutely yeah. but that film has it's grown with me and, yeah. I, and I watch it now and I just think it's better than ever and I remember um, uh, Re- uh, Ebert the, yeah, the Roger, Ebert, yeah. Roger Ebert wrote this wonderful uh, it was practically a, a, it was an essay on why that film is, is a masterpiece really? yeah he did oh, yeah. I'm going to check that out yeah wonderful because all his reviews are um, you can get them all on his website now every review he ever have you seen the Roger Ebert 
documentary. Yes, I have. Yeah, yeah. sad, isn't it? It's sad, sad yeah. and and wonderful. Yeah. But I mean, he wrote this piece on planes, trains years after the movie. This wasn't right. like a review. This was this was him and appreciation, not defending it, but basically it. saying this is a masterpiece. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. Just I don't know if I go as far as masterpiece. I just would. Sh- would you? Yes. Yeah, wow. Well, I think it's, the, I think it's the, the best comedy ever made. Oh man. From tea to green, I just think it's. Do you know what I was asked? Wonderful. To, I was asked to do a ten, top ten comedies for Time Out a couple of years ago and I didn't put it in and now I think I would well, cause the, well the phrase the, phrase, the word masterpiece is never usually applied to a comedy is it? no. it's, it's quite easy to say that say Lawrence of Arabia is a masterpiece but we don't often say that comedies are masterpieces we sh- I think we should do and, do you uh, think comedy should win Oscars yes I do like out and out comedy like that 100. should white chicks win uh... well, I'm not saying white <laughs> chicks I mean it should be nominated obviously uh, but I think say Melissa McCarthy was quite rightly nominated for Bridesmaids yeah uh, I-, I see why Robert Downey Jr. was nominated for Tropic Thunder yeah uh, yeah I see why Fish Call Wanda was nominated for, for screenplay I see why Kevin Klein even won for uh, Fish Call that, that's, that's something that happened a lot in the 90s where Never happens now. It doesn't Comedy happen so much now, does it? Performances won a lot of uh, supporting, like w- the That's amount right. of Woody Allen right. films where someone won a supporting. That's so true. That is absolutely supporting right. Supporting art or like supporting actor or actress. But I think Jud um, J- J- Apatow has said that making a serious film, I think he's being a bit tongue in cheek. But making a serious film is quite easy when because what he's then got to do is then take that and get laughs out of it. Yeah. So I think he used There Will Be Blood as an example and his would have been called One of the best there, comedies. There uh, Will Be Dick Jokes if, <laughs> yeah. if he made it. Uh, so com- comedy is, is hard as, as you and I well, prove. Yeah. Yeah, we both, <laughs> we both learned the hard way. Yeah. Um, but also it's more that it's subjective. So even if you could prove that one thing was better than the or, or one thing was harder than the other, you've still then got to have an audience decide whether it's good or not. And people get very opinionated about comedy in a way so they cross. don't... It's so angry. It's so worked up. I mean, uh, you know, when you read what people tweet and Facebook when they're watching something on TV and they go, whoever commissioned this should be shot. Oh, it, I mean, I mean, they, they literally say things no like one's, that. Don't they? No one's said that about, like, drama. No one goes, this isn't making me cry. They should be shot. <laughs> I felt nothing for 10 minutes. <laughs> but, yeah. I don't know you, but before I got into comedy, I would watch comedy and probably would be the person shouting from the sofa. And then you get into it and you realise how flipping hard yeah. it is. And when, and when you see people live, you have a greater appreciation for how... When you see them alive, When you, you see think? them alive, it really <laughs> makes me think... Yeah. Now, when you, see, when you see lots of comedians in close proximity in, in small rooms and what have you, I think the appreciation This for, is a gig, right? This isn't just some weird thing in you my do. Lounge. In the <laughs> uh, Yeah, a gig. Yeah, it is. It's, it's well, in terms of comedy, we were going to talk about Grimsby. Am I jumping the gun? Um, no, you can talk about Grimsby. See, I think I love your. I loved your. We were texting, we were texting. Uh, last night uh, about films that have been out either this week, last week, or coming up. And James um, was. A, I could tell he was itching, bursting to talk about Grimsby. As a, he has a strong opinion I'm about so this. So passionate about the film Grimsby. I went to a screening, and it's when it's journalists in a screening room, it tends to be quite a sedate yeah. affair. And I was laughing so hard that people were. They quite thought you were a plant. They, exactly, they thought <laughs> I was. They were uh, Sasha Baron Cohen's, you know, uh, relative or something. I feel very passionate about that film, and I wish it had done better because I do think we live in an age where comedians are pretty much terrified about saying the wrong thing yeah. or if they ad-lib and a slip of the tongue comes out and someone tweets it there was the guy in America who was performing at the New Material Night he said something he probably shouldn't have done it went viral because someone had recorded it and I, th- I just think the fact that Sasha Baron Cohen has gone out there and it's not just the fact that the gags are extreme it's the fact that they're funny as well uh, I mean the, the Daniel Radcliffe gag is phenomenal the elephant scene which has become famous is, is wonderful um, I, I I loved it. If I could have stood and applauded in the in the screening, I would have done. I I uh, I really it, it really I really care about what that film represents. I really care about excrement. Yeah, absolutely. Um. No, no. I I, I, uh, I, I it's important that a film like that gets. Well, made. I think it's great that you're saying all this because so often um, journalists. Uh, have this like they they want to be seen as intellectual and it's so rare that something like just what is probably seen as like toilet humor or whatever gets applauded because you know I don't I don't know why it is I guess it's the weird like we were just saying comedy is so much harder and yet people sort of you know no pun intended poo poo it as uh, <laughs> as something that's easy is going to the easy place but when you see the reactions of ordinary punters. 
and how they're crying at that. I mean, I still, to this day, every now and then I'll be walking along and I'll chuckle, and this is like 10 years since the film was made, at the wrest- naked wrestling in Borat. Absolutely. And yeah, nothing yeah. has ever made me laugh as yeah. much as that moment. Anyway, so film news. Um, what have, what's been happening in the world of movies this week? You, you so I'd, I'd, say that, I'd say, you know, if, if this was John Craver's news round, I suppose yeah. the headlines would be the, the reviews have come in for, for Batman vs. Superman. It would be a weird edition of John Craven's news round. <laughs> amazing edition. What a show that was. Yeah. Uh, so I would say that there's quite a few three star reviews knocking about some people uh, Richard Roper who took over from Ebert uh, he he has sung its praises uh, some critics are more middling I'm seeing it tonight and personally cannot wait I'm a bit I, I, I'm, I don't know it's, it's, I'm not that excited about seeing this one I don't know why Man of Steel just didn't really do it for me it was all a bit too Lots of, it was, I don't know, a bit pompous. That's how sure. I felt about it. I think that, I think DC are going down the more serious route. Yeah. Where Marvel have some They're wonderful d- moments of humour. I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy yeah. is a Brilliant. contender for you know maybe the finest superhero. Should have won for- Oscar. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Best picture. <laughs> no. Um, I agree. The Marvels may be a little bit too now glib and... But I like that. But, it's very... Yeah. I mean, you know, there's there's lots of self-referential humour. Say Ant-Man, for example. Mm-hmm. They get the gag they crack about the ending to other Marvel movies. Yeah. I, I love all that. Um, I think I'm just a bit tired of how many superhero films there are now. And, like, if one is really, really good... I mean, I, I would say as long as you, I, as long I, as you have a fresh take or something interesting to say then you, you can keep making as many of these as possible, as Deadpool proved, I think. Yeah. I, think. I mean, that was just... Yeah, and they, you know, they didn't wonderful. expect that to be such a hit with <clears throat> with it being an art-rating right, uh, film. But the um, weird the, the other weird thing I can't get my head around with Batman versus Superman and, or Batman v, Bat v Supes, what, I don't know what we're Go calling it, BVS. BVS. <laughs> we, D- uh, DOJ. The thing about BVS is... And maybe it's addressed in the film. I just haven't read about it yet. But how can anyone even have a fight? It's like so. I've read the as you as you can probably yeah. tell. You've read the, you've <laughs> I've read read the, the I've, novel. I've, I've read the co- the comic books. So it, I don't want to spoil the film, but it, it is. I think it's an Alan Moore comic book, but it is explained. Uh, is it his it's not armor? Alan Moore, is it? It's anyway. It is explained uh, how Batman is able to. Take is it on. something to do with his armor? Because he just got partly very, to do with the armor, and he's taking and a special gun. Oh, yeah, and that's not a euphemism, no. No, that's <laughs> he a doesn't sleep with him. <laughs> I uh, yeah, I don't know. There's something. It's like when is this all? I also feel like some of the story is about how Batman feels that this guy destroyed the yes. city, and it's a that they've created that story just as a response to everyone's. Uh, criticism to the end of Man of Steel, which but it was, fits perfectly. Though, it does, it? but like, did they? Well, was that planned all along, or were they like, shit? Maybe we should, uh, maybe we should address that. We did sort of kill a lot well, they, of innocent we, bystanders. Totally meant this. this was yeah, yeah. Totally we always meant this. This was part of the, for the yeah. sequel. <laughs> yeah. What else has uh, been happening this week in the uh, the news of movies? I just, oh, I just want to correct myself. It's either Frank Miller or Alan Moore that wrote the, the oh, comic I'm thinking okay. of. That will haunt me on the way home. Oh, right, yeah, and we'll get a Someone lot listening of complaints. Someone listening will be getting pretty we'll get worked <laughs> up. And I am sorry. Uh, Daisy Ridley oh, is yeah, okay, in so talks. Daisy Ridley is in talks for the the uh, Tomb Raider reboot, which I think is that's a wonderful casting she choice. She's really she good in Force Awakens. Something of an unsung hero because of the... I mean, has enough time elapsed for us to mention the big thing that happened? Maybe, maybe not. But there is a big thing. I don't want to be. I don't want to be the spoiler guy. No, no, no. no. There's, a, there's, a, there's a thing that a lot of people talked about in the Force Awakens, which obviously you know dominated conversations. And Daisy Ridley may, perhaps didn't get the credit she deserved because she's so wonderful in that film. I, I mean, I went to see it a couple of times, so I, I think it's wonderful that uh, she's linked with. Lara Croft that you know she was she brought something special to that role and uh, I was surprised because she's so um, English rose looking and quite twee looking and she's obviously you know it's been said many times has a Kira Knightley thing yeah, about her absolutely. and in all the interviews before the film I was a bit like well I'm not really I'm not like getting anything from I'm not getting like Oh yeah, she seems like a new star. There's real you know. fire and, and charisma then, there. Yeah, when, when, when B. Watch, thinks he's saving her, and yeah. obviously 
the opposite yeah. is true. I mean, that's a that's a. I love that we're talking scene. about Force Awakens. Uh, uh, <laughs> we don't want to sort of say any spoilers because you know not many people have seen it yet, <laughs> have they? It's let alone indie film yeah. that uh, sort of sneak past the cinema. Um, this now tell me this isn't true that Tom Hiddleston is three to one. Yes. To be, no. Uh, yes. Well, if you're watching The Light Manager. I haven't, no. Wonderful. No. It's, it's just not wonderful that you've not been watching it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, uh, I think it's fantastic. The first episode was good, and then this it just the gets better This is the Hugh Laurie, Tom Hiddleston, yes. John le Carre uh, yes. book. And the latest adaption. episode was... I've been a bit on the fence with Hiddleston as Bond, and then the latest episode, I was very much, ah, yes, I totally get it. Really? Yeah, yeah. I don't know, he just seems so kind of... Sexy. He's so <laughs> damn sexy. No, he seems... What's the I word think he could have a bit for? of a younger Bond as well. Younger Bond. Uh, Tom Hardy is still favourite. Dutch Bond. Younger, younger Bond. Bond. <laughs> um, <I>, Bond. Younger <laughs> Bond. I, uh, I, just, I, I see him with a little pencil moustache. Um, he's the new a, David Niven, is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's the David Niven. Yeah, well sure. done. That was the much more articulate way of... Well, Tom, you climbed into my mind and saw the image and said I, it. I liked it there. Tom Hardy's still favourite. Really? Yeah, but Hiddleston is now second favourite. So if Tom Hardy does it, does that mean we'll need to subtitle all, all the next Bonds? He'll redub it with a mask on. Yeah. The um, I think Hardy would be would be great as well. I'm like, but I'm Mr. Positive. Whoever gets it, I'd be like, oh, what a great choice. Hiddleston, maybe we could go back to the more Roger Moore way yes. of doing things with quips. Hiddleston. Yeah, quips and... Nice of you to drop <laughs> in. Uh-oh, he's an impressionist. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm so not. But I do have such a soft spot for Moore's ludicrous... You know, I once said... He got a little hot under the collar. I, I think he even says those things, but, you know, it's that My favourite of... Roger Moore moment is uh, when... I think it's A View to a Kill, the Grace Jones one, right? Yes. We, oh, what, View to a Kill is a movie when you watch as a kid, you think, the this is amazing. Yeah. And then you watch it now, and you're like, oh, oh my God. <laughs> that has yeah, aged it's, uh, it was. We all know that Bond can pretty much do anything. Yes. And in this film, and, and he's in his like 60s by this oh, point so or old. something. So old. And he's prancing about in his safari suit. He's, you know, fighting people. Yeah. He can suddenly, if someone gives him a sword, he knows how to oh, fence Zorro. immediately. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anything. But the bit that just absolutely nailed it for me, like where he is just amazing was uh, he's at this country house with the whoever the love interest of that film is and we cut to a sort of like an hour later and he's got oven gloves on and he's pulling out a perfectly baked amazing. cake and it's like not only is he all these things but he's also an amazing baker Mary. That was the power of Moore. Yeah. <laughs> the power of... The thing with Moore is that Moore did stuff that Craig would never have done. I mean, the bit with the octopus where the circus yeah. join in, or like you say, baking a cake, Craig would have been like, get oh, out of here. Yeah. Fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> have they ever said fuck in a bond? Yes. Judy Dench said it. I'm sure she did oh, in really? Skyfall. And it was all a bit, ooh. Judy. Oh, Judy. <laughs> uh, now, you know, I've said to you that, uh, I don't know if you remember this, I, I did your gig uh, once and I was watching you. You're a very, uh, very brilliant compare. And but I kept all the way through. I was going, who does he remind me of? And I said to you, you remind me a little bit of Simon Pegg. Did I? Te- do you remember? I get that, that sometimes. Yeah. The, the older I get, the lookalikes get less kind. <laughs> so when I had hair, yeah. believe it or not, I was I was thinner. I'd, this you got Mike arrogant. Tyson. Exactly. <laughs> so I, I can't. I don't want to say because it, it would be terrible. But they would get. So it went from this person. Then it became Simon Pegg. Then it became Eddie Izzard, right. and then um, Gollum from Lord of oh, the Rings. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Thanks. That's definitely not. Um, that's definitely not going upwards, is it? No, it's no. there's only one way that he's going. Uh, but yeah, Simon Pegg has been added to Ready Player One. Yeah, that was my link. Did you like it? It was a, it was yeah. a beautiful link. Uh, have you read the book? I haven't. No. I, I mean, it, it, it was not my cup of tea. No. But Spielberg's attached, so you know, it's got a chance. Ready Player One. I read about two months ago. That he was trying to woo Gene Wilder out That's of, right. out of oh uh, retirement. God, and now he's one of my absolute heroes. He's, he is in my What's top ten comedy. Well, it's not... <sighs> I'll, I'll, I'll say. It's, I mean, not, it's not his best movie. Stir Crazy Stir for Crazy. Me. I mean, the first just... half of Stir Crazy. Before they get to the rodeo, oh. Stir Crazy is a stone-cold classic. He, That's in my top ten. Yeah. And again, it's not like considered a classic... In, but him, uh, his performance oh my specifically, God. the hysteria when he's trying to act tough and all, you know, oh, or the and sequence all where they're trying to break him and he like oh. comes out of the little hut like Just one, one more, more day. day. I, mean, <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah, wonderful. And so I was very excited about the idea that he might be in something. We have very again, similar taste, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Except for Batman versus Superman. Okay. Although we haven't seen it yet, so yeah, maybe I maybe I like it. Yeah. Maybe it's a bit more, um, you know, about a guy meets a girl. Um. <laughs> uh, and then the, I think the last bit of news was the, the new tra- the trailer for the new Sandler movie, The Do Over, is out. I think yeah. you've seen that. I'm, I'm I don't. I tend not to watch Sandler trailers. Staunchly pro Sandler. Really? Yeah, I, lo- I love. Adam, if you're listening to this, I love you so hard. Oh. Yeah, I think he's just wonderful. And I know that I know it's very easy to uh, to knock target to knock yeah. to knock Sandler, but um, ju- you know to, to do what he's done for the number of years that he's done it, uh, I, th- I think he's uh, yeah I, I, I love him. I, st- I mean, don't get me wrong, I still think the best things he's done are Happy Gilmore and The Wedding Singer, mm-hmm. but I still think he's got brilliance in him. I think his performance in Funny People. Uh, was was wonderful. Yeah, and and I think I'm always drawn to when he does try something a bit different. But I uh, I once asked someone um, who an agent who works at the same agency that he he is represented by, and I said like, what, what's the deal with Sana? Like he, yeah. you know, like what's his whole like outlook on his career and stuff? Because you know he just makes these films that yeah. are absolutely annihilated by the critics, but. Are, normally big hits and he said he just doesn't give a shit I've heard that as well you know he just he goes to middle America he screens all his films there and that's all he cares about the audience is laughing and he just doesn't care and I you know again I think that's you know I'm not a big fan of his stuff but I really respect that I I suspect that that's part of the reason why he's been at the top for so long is that he's absolutely bulletproof yeah you cannot hurt him I mean I I still watch his recent movies that's my boy I still laughed really consistently all the way through that well, I wanted to. I, I was going to watch The Cobbler because I love Tom McCarthy films, yeah. and then it just got all these scathing reviews, and it sort of put me off a bit. Have you seen? I've not one? seen The Cobbler. No. no, for the sake, you know what? Time. For the exact same reason, yeah. which is terrible because yeah. I know that not that reviewers all have a, like a, you know, they're all biased. I'll still come to, I, mean, I will still get around to watching it because it's maybe we should do it together. It's Easter. Let's do this. Let's, Let's make do it this. Your wife or girlfriend won't mind if you say, I can't be with the kid this weekend. I'm watching Adam Sandler movies with Dan. Sorry, uh, my sweet, sweet yeah. treasure. I'm off with Dan to watch The Cobbler. Well, um, James, it's been an absolute pleasure. Will you come in again and give us some give us some news? I would love to. That flew Good. by and it, I, I know. it, it was wonderful it? to see you again. So thank you so um, much. Uh, you picked a song. Do you want to introduce this? This is a piece of music, not a song, really. This is uh, yes, yeah, so my favourite film. That, so while all the other kids at school were into Star Wars and Raiders of the Lost Ark, etc., uh, I still love those movies, but I had a real penchant <laughs> for Steve McQueen. And did you use the word penchant? I did. When when I, I, got, I took a kick in in the sandpit. <laughs> so I saw, I saw The Great Escape when I was literally a toddler, and uh, it it stayed with me. And I watch it, I watch it so much. Really, I, I love I love The Great Escape so much. So oh. uh, I could I could spend the next hour talking about The Great Escape. McQueen, Garner, Pleasance. There's so, there's there's so much to love about this film. Uh, people knock James Coburn's Australian accent. You're missing the point. It's like with Connery in The Untouchables. The sheer charisma yeah. means that the accent just does not and matter. The all manness, the alphaness. Oh, of it, yeah. I mean, Connery in the Untouchables. Yeah. That's another episode. Yeah. My God. Uh, yeah. So the Great cool. Escape. All right. Well, thank you very much. This is the main theme from the Great Escape. Thank you, James. Thanks, mate. Screen talk with Dan Clark on Fubar Radio. Uh, so just in case you do listen to this as a podcast and you wonder why I do these big introductions to music and then only play four seconds of it, that's just because of boring copyright bullshit. Uh, if you want to hear the show with the full songs in it, then um, then just uh, tune in to foobarradio.com and it's uh, broadcast every Friday at 12pm. I, I was listening to the radio the other day. I've got Jess... Jess, Jessica Iris Nappit. Uh, in, <laughs> Iris. What's, your, what's your middle name? Iris is pretty close. Is it? What is it? Amy. It's Amy. Retina. <laughs> <laughs> Jessica Retina Nappit <laughs> is in. Um, I was, Jess, I was listening to the radio the other day in a car because I don't really listen to like you know, um, Ooh, capital. I was in. I was in a taxi. Ooh, <laughs> I've got a taxi. Uh, I was in a taxi, and this guy called in and said, "I'd like to dedicate a song to my wife. Could you play this? I'd like to request this song. It means so much to me. You know, it was when we met. It was playing, and I thought, if it means that much to you, why don't you own it? Why do you have to call up a radio station and play it? Yeah, absolutely. Like, why I thought we you li- meant, why didn't he buy the rights to the oh, song? Right. Like, yeah, and that. How much do you love this woman? 
Yeah. yeah. No, absolutely right. I don't get. I don't understand that phoning in radio no. shows thing. You don't have it's that weird. on the. Yeah, I've no, no, no. Do you don't no. have anyone phoning in? I don't want to talk to anyone other than. I just want to focus my attention on you. It was a weird introduction, to be honest. Dan. Well, I haven't introduced you properly oh, yet. Right. I was just making them aware <laughs> that if they hear a noise. You know, in the background, it's you. It started with the copyright. No, go on. Yeah. Right, do, Le- do. Um, so, ladies and gentlemen, here we have... Da, 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 da. <laughs> we have the wonderful Jessica Retina Nappet, <laughs> born in 1905. Oh, don't do that. No, all right. That's right. It's not important. <laughs> it's Why not important. You were probably born in this, centru- uh, this, this century. century yes. Yeah. yes, I was, yes. Yeah. So Jessica Nappett, if Hi. for those of you that um, are going, oh, I know the name, but what's the face? She is the, and I'm, I very much doubt there's anyone. They all know who you are, but just for the, that one or two people that are idiots. Yes. Um, this is the writer, star, creator, executive producer of the hit E4 comedy drifters. Hi. <laughs> is that right? right? Are they all your roles on that, that on yeah, that job? Yeah, it's not really enough, is it? No. Um, I don't make the tea. No. Well, <laughs> that's, that's why you've got a bit of a bad rep <laughs> in this business. Um, Am I? I'm genuinely yeah. paranoid about that. I do. There are some people who are like the stars of shows who overly compensate for just the fear of like people going oh you know who do they think they are which Did you um, become are, one of them no no you undercompensate like me, Dan. <laughs> undercompensate yeah oh well that's bad too isn't yeah, it yeah yeah no you're like whatever <laughs> yeah no yeah. just you're doing you're, you're an actor in my show whatever oh really no no is that the sense i mean that's as someone who wrote on my show yeah Dan, yeah what uh how how do you feel you were treated well, I did get in touch with the unions uh, <laughs> shortly afterwards because it was quite a traumatic experience. No, it was it's wonderful. Very you're underhand. very, you're very, um, you're an. You're, what I, I loved. We did work together. Uh, I wrote an episode of the last series, third series. You did, yeah. And are you doing another series, by the way? Yeah, I mean, I haven't told anyone that oh, yet. So but, you exclusive. Know, you heard it here first. Oh, okay. That's are you not allowed to? Right. We can edit it out afterwards. I don't know. I don't know what. I don't know if it's a secret. Oh, look, it's. Oh, just not been on that. I don't know if it's a secret. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it's not anymore, is it? No. I but mean, we c- we can edit it out. I don't know why. I don't know why I wouldn't be allowed to tell people. I just it hasn't been announced officially. In case they read by, the scripts and go, they, to, no, we're not sure about this full series. To be honest, they never. Yeah, I mean that could that could <laughs> easily happen. And that's when we that's when we hire you again, Dan, oh. to, to fix it. No, I I realised. I've not I've realised. I've heard in the past of shows being decommissioned. It's very, very rare. Yeah. But and I just think happen. how heartbreaking is that? Yeah. You've planned, you know, your year, you've spent the money, you're in your head, you know where you're gonna buy a house, and then suddenly you get a call. Yeah, actually I mean I think that's Yeah, no, it, you know that idea we had which was going to be your next your employment for the next twelve months. Yeah. We're not doing that. We're not that. doing that. No. We're not doing that. Anyway, let's not just bitch about the industry. That would be a very <coughs> boring interview. Jess Nappett, you are um you are northern. <laughs> aren't you? That's Say right. It so. Dad. <laughs> Were you Aye. uh born and bred in Leeds? Uh Bradford actually. Bradford. Oh, I grew okay. up on the Moors. <laughs> We had to make our Tip own moors, fun. isn't it? Yes, yes, we did. We um, did you eat mud? I I may I played a lot with mud. Did I you? honestly did. It was very it was very outdoorsy. Upbringing. Is that where your love of uh, plasticine uh, model making came from? Yeah, FIMO. Yeah, and I love a bit of FIMO actually. So you grew up in Bradford. Yeah. So where's the Leeds thing? Um, all this? Well, we set the show in Leeds because yeah. that felt like the nearest cool city. Right. To hang out in. I don't want to diss Bradford, no. but um, there's a certain amount of storytelling to be told around yeah. Bradford that you would have to tell. And you feel like you're much more of a lead storyteller, don't you? Well, it's, there is a big <laughs> difference between the two cities, Dan. I mean, well, it's, I'm, I sens- think like the I'm third, sensing that you're mocking me. No, it's like the third biggest city in the country or something. Or is fourth. it? Yeah. Wow, you've Pop- done your research, population you? Well, it's just more that it was kind of like a retail town yeah. in that that's kind of part the basis. of the theme. Well, the of beginning the of the show very much was about you guys... like Working in the promotions yeah. industry, which yeah. is something I did for a long time. Do you still... <laughs> still do that do in between <laughs> jobs, yeah. <laughs> no, the characters in the show. 
Do, I mean, you no. joke, right? But some people, you I know. know. Well, I know. Yeah. I know that all too well. Um, back to the call centre. <laughs> if once Series 4 is decommissioned, I will be back to the call centre. But I did. No, I honestly did. Like after the, after the Inbetweeners movie, yeah. I and I thought I'd made it. Yeah, of course. <laughs> it was the biggest comedy ever made. Biggest comedy movie. The, why wouldn't you think that? Biggest comedy movie of all time. And straight back to the call centre. No was, way. Yes, I was. Oh. And then, and then it was quite because then I got the pilot of Drifters commissioned a few weeks later. But I was actually working in a call centre when that happened, and I'd been like walking down the red carpet doing my premiere thing. And well, then, of course. Yeah. The great in your head. irony is not very glamorous at all. I mean, still not. Um, I did a sh show when I was about 23 called The Estate Agents for Channel 4 and it died a horrible death. Well, did it? Well, not, it just didn't get recommissioned and it got some bad reviews and and because it, it, it was like six months or eight months after we'd made it, I'd spent all the money I had and I went and signed on and the did guy you? in the job centre said, hey, you're the guy from the telly, aren't you? And that was... Uh, that was one of the worst moments, definitely, of of my career. Did he get you a job? He did, yeah. He got me a job in the next Steven Spielberg movie. <laughs> I was going to say. He was like, weirdly, like I know you, uh, people don't expect this in the job centre, but a casting's just come in <laughs> for a uh, Steven Spielberg. You know, they want something real, a bit more authentic. Uh, they're going the non-actor route. I was like, ah, well, that'll be me then. I, wa I once um, decided that I was going to get this is so this is such a terrible idea I once decided that I was going to get a massage therapy qualification okay so that I could always have like a skill that to fall back on yeah <laughs> and then so, but then that really sort of did came you back to bite me when I went to the job centre and they were like what other qualification they were, and I was like I've got an English and drama degree it's a four year course it's, it's kind of two degrees actually so oh. I was there for four years, so it's a pretty good degree. And yeah. they were like, yeah, if you're anything else, it's an actual skill. And I could give you a sh shoulder massage. <laughs> I can do Indian head massage. <laughs> and they were like, right, that's great. And we'll get you a job as a massage therapist then. And that's what they tried to do. I was like, I don't want to do that, though. So I couldn't sign on. It's, did you, so did you actually get a qualification in that? Yeah, I, got like, yeah. I did like a... A weekend course. Why are we talking about this? I, I do not know. It's a diploma. Well, you know, after like four <laughs> weeks of just talking about films, it's quite nice to talk about is massages. It? Yeah. The masseuse, okay. what industry? Is that what you call it? The, the holistic... The health and beauty uh, oh, industry. Right. Okay. It was more cosmetic what you did. Yeah, but I'd ne I've never... I've never done it. I've never actually given anyone a massage. Not even your lover? No. Really? Okay. <laughs> So I was actually going to ask you this question a bit later on in the interview. Um, the uh, Inbetweeners film, yeah, you know, you sort of touched on this. Did you not notice a bit of a change, a shift in everything? Because up, let's go back a bit. Up until then, you'd been predominantly a sort of sketch comedian. You'd I done just, the Edinburgh stuff. I just cropped up doing bit parts in yeah. other people's shows, such as... You were a professional cropper, cropper-upper. to live your life. Yeah. That, Dan Clark gave yeah. me gave me one of my first jobs. Oh. Here we are. I was like, we desperately needed head massages on that show, and <laughs> <laughs> you ended up sort of saying some lines, and we we're like, oh, we keep it in. <clears throat> I don't know how that happened, but was it one of your first jobs? It was actually, yeah. I'd, I'd had to um, no, my very first job, I had to s just snog somebody. Okay. Was this for a TV it's show? A comedy. Yeah. Sitcom, yeah. So I was a girl, so I had to stalk <laughs> someone. Yeah. And then my second job, I had to flirt with some people. Okay. Third job, I had to dry hump someone on a boat. Wow. <laughs> so you were like, oh, next job, I get to have full blown sex. I'm building up to that. Yeah. It feels like we're on our way. Well, you've made up for that I've in your own show, I've I think. I've more than made up yeah, for that. I would say so. We'll get to that in a sec. So, you, I remember the first time I was aware of your work. Well, actually, it was in the audition, but what I, when I then investigated, because I, I hired a PI, <laughs> I was like, hey, I want to know about that woman, um, uh, was uh, Lady Garden, your sketch group. Yeah. Which. Um, had about 30 people in the Yeah, it was... Uh, <laughs> you were the UB40 of uh, sketch comedy. That was... Well, we like to we like to call ourselves the Blazing Squad of comedy at the time. Oh, okay, yeah. Blazing yeah, I squad. do remember Blazing Squad. Um, 
Well, the, yeah, the awful thing was that we couldn't fit in a car. That oh, was God. <laughs> that was the real logistical nightmare. Did it become a thing? Like, how many Lady Garden can you fit in one? Yeah. yeah. Well, preferably five. But unfortunately, yeah. the six of us. Was it six of you? So, yeah, it was always like, okay. who's going to go? Yeah. Because we, you know, we just need to get to the point where we can fit in a car, guys. So one of us is going to go at some point. So what, did one of you or two of you... Some, did, don't tell me that some <laughs> there were some gigs where one of you got the train. Yeah. Would not like? Would not someone go? Oh, I'll come. I'll come with you. I'll no, take one for the I, team. The good thing was I was generally the driver, but I was a very I'm, I, I, back then, especially the the road rage. Because I get. I was talking about this, in fact, with Brett, former mm. guest of the show. I get very when I get nervous. I get very angry. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Like, do you Which get is, that? You know that sort of adrenaline of like it's the fight or flight thing, and I feel a bit crazy. All right, and then well, I go out on stage and it's fine. I just, just, I just want to say, if you do ever start doing massages again, can I not be your first or second client, please? Because you know, like, if you just can you imagine you're getting nervous because you're not doing it right, and then you're just like, you, f- you fucking idiot, stay still strangle yeah no, look i'm not murderous i don't have violent tendencies oh, okay but dan that's what you associate road rage with i suppose i just get i just i just used to get quite cross and i think they uh they had to deal with a bit of that uh sort of ner- sort of stage fright nerves was that why you were the rage. first to leave the group and then <laughs> yes i was the first to leave the group because no i did i really genuinely did leave because I didn't want to do another Edinburgh. Yeah. There was, we were doing, we did three Edinburgh, sh- we'd done three Edinburgh shows. For we, people that don't understand sorry, who yeah. listen to these shows, because a lot of comedians go, oh, Edinburgh, I did Edinburgh. And they're like, what, well, you know, not everyone just, understands. It's just the name of a city. What are you yeah. talking about? what do you mean? We've all been to Edinburgh for a, but it's the festival which lasts a month. And for people that don't know what it's like, it's fun to visit, but it's almost like going through... Oh, this is probably a bit extreme, but it's a bit like going to war. Yes, it's it's like <laughs> it's every, nothing like that. But. It's like a if you, you could you could make a good training montage out of it. Mm. If it was a, if it was a movie, it would be the training montage section where yeah. you were getting beaten and you know you do like because the thing is you you have to have this you have to have the scenes where you walk out on stage and there's nobody there yeah. and there's just one old lady clapping. Someone you know people tend to have these stories where oh this person fell asleep in my show or this person heckled me or there was nobody there or loads yeah. of people walked out. Like you have to go. Through it's a rites of passage, it's isn't it? As a yes. Oh, so one you, guy fla- I remember one guy flashing his actual penis. At are us. you serious? Yes. I'm serious. What, like once or repeatedly? Well, he sat or? on the front row in a kilt, and he oh my god, popped it out. No way. Yeah, we and had did to you just crack on <laughs> with the show? I mean, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> one, one of yeah. us. I won't say who had to crack him off. Yeah. No, it oh was... Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, those That's were, hideous. Those were crazy times. God, I can barely remember it now. This is a problem. I just... I can't... I can never bloody remember anything. Oh, <laughs> that makes for really good interviewing skills. Uh, so, well, I, I do remember. So you left the group, you did some TV, and then landed the Inbetweeners film, which you thought was going to be your big break. Yeah. And then... No one cared. No one cared about you guys, maybe. Uh, I don't know, because the four of you have all gone on to work and do loads of stuff, so obviously it must have had some kind of... The four of... The girls. The girls from the The new girls that movie. joined the, um, the film. Your, Laura Haddock, your friend from... from your, How Not to Live Your, your Life. Show. Yeah. Um, and me, yeah, me and Lids... Yeah, everyone's gone on to do other things, actually. Well, me and Lids went off to do Drifters after... The between his movie, so I I quit the live circuit and yep. and just sort of went off to try and write my own things, and then um, yeah, and then Drifters pilot happened, and we got, but we used we we employed someone else that wasn't like one of the main four girls from the okay. Drifters movie, Lauren O'Rourke. Who's yeah, which that's always stunning a actress. Horrible thing to have to do, isn't it? What bring someone in from outside? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. No, I mean, I thought you meant like you recast someone. Oh, no. No, it wasn't, oh, right. I mean, the whole thing about the connection to the in between movie, it's like, it, it, we weren't 
Were you dining on it? Same, I was absolutely milking it. Yeah. Of course, just <laughs> clinging on to the coattails of those Good. boys. But I, it, we were not the same characters in Drifters as we were in the Inbetweeners. No. It? No, you you were like some kind of Essex slag, slight oddball no, or something. Northern right? slag, yeah. yeah, which is good. You can play slags up and down the country. Uh, and how was uh, so? You you wrote Drifters. You wrote it by yourself, the pilot in the first series, right? Yeah. How different was that going from a team of thirty, well six, <laughs> to suddenly it's all yours? Terrifying, and there's no one to blame it on. It's all my fault. <laughs> That's the worst bit about it. And even and I know this from writing my own stuff as well. If you have really good people you trust around you, giving you notes, and but there's that thing of like if one of their notes gets the biggest laugh, you're a bit like oh god. If one of their notes dies on its arse, you go well, well, it wasn't me, you know. So it's it's yeah, sort of still, a you still have that same. I mean, because when when there were six of us, we were always kind of writing by committee. Yeah, we, you know. Now you, we still kind of have that process but you can't say no to those guys yeah i mean they're employing you in the first place so it's it's always a negotiation but luckily they kind of they do just leave us alone because either i can't work out whether it's because they trust us or they don't care about the show (laughs) do you know what i felt that very much in my show and i think when you do something on a slightly uh less mainstream channel and we didn't have a very big budget remember like god they really don't interfere but so in hindsight i was like god because i've now done stuff where they do interfere and i'm like oh that version was much better the not the not yeah the not interfering version yeah yeah, yeah. i think um there's just a there's a certain amount of people having to um prove why they're there in the first place yeah, yeah. including us yes <laughs> And uh, when you did the first series, because you wrote it all on your own. No, yeah. Did you pour every experience you've ever had into it going, right, there was that time? Because, I mean, let's let's be frank here. You really (laughs) did just do warts and all in the show. I I mean, some of my favourite moments in it are some of the more crude. There's uh, incredibly crude. I mean, that's the thing. It's not, it's it's definitely a a strong cup. (laughs) It's not for everyone for that reason because mm. it's I've never it's, heard that phrase what, a strong str- cup a strong cup strong cup of coffee yeah okay tea. strong cup yeah. yeah it's a it's kind of it you know it's gross out but it's it's women doing it and yeah. I think um so that's that's not there's a lot that's of not always for everyone but I've kind of um do you find that do you find that some people are like oh I don't like women yeah, sort of yeah shitting definitely and, yes. and talking about sex and stuff really for sure yeah but I think I feel like uh, what what we've found now is that we've we've kind of sorted sorted the wheat from the chaff for the people who are still watching it now. The, again, uh, sounds again, like a euphemism. Why do you keep? Why do I keep using these strange idioms? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, na- by now, you know, series three, we've got quite, you know, still got very good ratings, and they're down, and it's down to the people who actually like it so we're not yeah. really getting abused too much and people oh, are just good. kind of leaving us alone. do people come up to but you in the street about the show and say I yes, love it yeah I get I tend to get kind of hugged and asked if I'm all right really <laughs> people feel quite protective over oh. my character I think she is uh she does suffer a lot of humiliation doesn't she yeah which is I, almost always self-inflicted yeah it's weird that I've done that to myself I'm trying to figure out why do you know do you get this thing I I used to write stuff and then six months later we're filming it and I'm standing naked in a field or something in the winter and going oh, what? and I look clearly look really pissed off and the producer goes well you wrote it and you're like yeah but for some reason when I'm writing you, do you have this where you just you just want to write the funniest thing you're yes, not thinking about you that you have to shoot done, it yeah. and you just want to get it past the people who'll say it's good yeah. and then you forget that you're going to have to do yeah. it because it, you have to there's a certain amount of you have to detach yourself from it when you're writing it you yeah. and, and you do forget and then then like you say you're being sick into a bin or eating a Chinese takeaway off a naked man and you think <laughs> why did I do yeah. this although those both sound kind Eat of alright Chinese they said yeah. it'll be funny they said <laughs> there's uh, you, you, you say that people find it weird with women doing comedy that's so crude or 
But there's a lot around. I mean, it seems like a really good time for female comedy. I mean, in America, you've got Girls and Broad City and Amy Schumer, Tina Fey. You've got the all-female Ghostbusters coming out, which is off the success of, I guess, Bridesmaids. Here, yeah. you've got y- yourself, of course, and Sharon Horgan and uh, Raised by Wolves. And you've even got a man dressed as a woman in Mrs. Brown's Boys know, because he obviously knows that's where it's happening. Don't ever say women aren't funny. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, no, women are funny. Even men know that to be more funny, you have to put a wig on these days. But yeah. um, but do you feel like it's changed or do you still feel like, oh, you're not getting parts like you, the, the guys get? Or I feel like you you have to write it yourself still. Yeah, which, <laughs> funnily mean, enough, all those people I just yeah, I mean, listed are, are all self-generators, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, I think Channel 4 now have this amazing slate of entirely female yeah. writer performers for the next batch of comedies, which yeah. is amazing. So I think Roisin Connacy's doing one as well. And, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, our friend Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Yeah, of course, um, yes. And she's doing, she's got two on the go. She's got two. I know. Hey. It's so annoying. She's a great friend of mine and you think, you know, you're doing quite well with yourself. You've got yeah. your own series that she comes along. Two in a year. Oh, this, oh. Uh, Let's, yeah. You've got to stop focusing on what you're not achieving because you're achieving a lot and it's, uh, it's amazing. Right, so uh, before we go into... Um, we're going to go straight to Guilty Pleasure. Yeah. Okay. So we're, we're actually not going to play one of your songs what? now. I know. Isn't that sad? I was all ready to talk about Wes Anderson, but don't worry about it. Well, we can play that one if you want at the end. No, I, do you know what? Yeah, whatever. Okay. Whatever well, let's want. quickly talk about Wes Anderson because I do like to sort of make sure people realise that when they when someone picks their guilty pleasure, that doesn't represent their taste in films and TV. So oh, yeah. normally, what kind of stuff do you like? Yeah, well, this is the thing I was thinking about. It's quite... It's, it's quite difficult to say what my taste is because you would think that it would have influenced my work. Yeah. That I would have, that it would just be like American Pie. Yeah. And I, and you know, I, I'm kind of into sort of Mike Mike Myers and character driven, like a really big character driven comedy. Yeah, because you did say to me at one point you wanted to pick Wayne's World, I but I was to, like, it's not. not that's not a guilty well, pleasure. Are, that's just. Are there any? Guilty pleasures. Okay, well, your guilty pleasure is. Well, there are, there are. Yes, I mean, you three have been uh, very busy (laughs) with with that. Um, I, I, I watched some of your guilty pleasure last night. It was it's Legally Blonde, and to me, that is a guilty pleasure. Okay, why? Well, because it's not watching it. Yeah, because women aren't. No, it's because it's just like it's not a terrible film. But it's not great either. It's a bit, a bit crap, and it's so by the numbers. But it's obviously incredibly. I didn't know there was a sequel, which Reese Witherspoon yeah. was in. There was a threequel. There's, there, there's Legally Blonde. There's the musical. There's the musical. But I mean, there's going to be yeah. There's going to be a third. No, the, no. The, what is Legally Blondes? There, well, it was TV, on Netflix. That, I was that watching like a TV it. TV series or something. I think there's like a spin-off short. It, yeah, it's definitely. It? A, it had the same logo and everything. And t- Legally Blonde two. Don't no. just forget it. That's, don't, don't that's a there. pleasure. But, that's not a guilty pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> legally, legally bond. Okay, the reason I like it, Dan, actually, yeah. okay, is because yes, it's a fluffy, girly piece of shit on the outside. Mm. Okay, but it's so it's the commitment of Reese Witherspoon. Yeah. Okay. You mean she turned up every day to film? No, hang on. I think you're being hard on it because she, okay, it's actually as well, underneath it all, a fantastic piece of feminist art. No, uh, that, uh, no, okay. In all honesty. The word I agree with is feminist. Art, I'm not so (laughs) sure. But yeah, it's it's about. It's a funny film. Yeah. I mean, it's I got, think I didn't find it funny at all. I, I do you not. It find is a good her, message. Do you not find her charming as a character? I think she's really and, good in it. She is a. Re- I think she's a great actress. It just. It was like, I don't know. There's a lot of comedies you watch them and you think there aren't really jokes in this. It's just people acting a yeah, bit a, that's, more animated and. It's a character piece, though, isn't it? <laughs> I bit, honestly. I mean, I will. <laughs> I love this. A character I know, piece. I know. Okay. I understand what it sounds like. but You've got you Mike at, Lee, you've got Legally Blonde, <laughs> you've got... <laughs> but 
but for a chick flick, it's it. What it does is it takes all all the the cliches yeah. and the tropes, yeah. and it actually quite cleverly subverts them. I'll give you that. Yeah, because she, you know she starts off by following the guy to get you know to Harvard, and you think she's never going to do it. She still. Act, we don't see quite how she does it and she does <laughs> s- sort of submit a video instead of an essay but she still gets into Harvard mm. by her own means and and she yes albeit because she started by chasing a boy but by the end of the movie she's doing it for herself she's doing it for herself and she tells him to go fuck himself would Am you you can that? yeah you can say it louder if you want fuck she tells him to go fuck himself I, and it's a and it's satisfying yeah no it's and a, empowering it's a very it is a really good message do you think it might falsely uh, inspire people to go to harvard to go when to they're harvard. not clever enough yeah <laughs> and then the disappointment crushing blow of not getting in means they go maybe onto the street, sell their bodies, take Pop, drugs. Quite possibly. So in a way, it's yeah. sort of doing more damage than good. Because it is an idealistic film where, like you say, we don't see how she really achieves these things. I'm just, no, I'm just playing yeah, devil's no, advocate I know here. you're playing devil's avocado. I can tell that. <laughs> but I don't appreciate it. No, I, I, think, I think what I, what I like about it is that, that it's, it's a film... Here's a character who is in touch with her femininity. Mm-hmm. She's literally fluffy pink ball yeah. with a little dog. Literally. But she's actually... She plays that kind of popular character that you expect to be a total bitch. Mm-hmm. And that's what, we're, that's what we're used to seeing in these chick flicks. But really, what, what we see is a very nice person who is a loyal friend and completely unprejudiced. She makes friends with Paulette, the working-class manicure lady. You're looking at me like you want me to wrap it up. No, no, it's just I'm aware (laughs) of the time. Now, I think it's... um, I don't know if it is a guilty pleasure or a pleasure. It's like when... Uh, dirty Dancing for years was every girl's love guilty pleasure but now it's become just a, like the irony's gone now and people are just like yeah I love it it's a great film yeah. so maybe Legally Blonde will become we'll that reach that step well I yeah. think it, I honestly think it will because I just I don't think there are that many female led <laughs> I'm going to say it again character pieces <laughs> Okay, well, uh, I uh, I think it's a very good choice. Whether I agree it's a good film or not, it's good message. Uh, thanks for picking it. And we're going to end with your choice of music from a film. This is, which one do you want us to play? Because actually, we've only um, got time for one, and you picked play, two. Yeah, uh, where where did you go, my lovely? Please. Okay, so this is from the Wes Anderson film, The Darjeeling Limited, and this is by Peter Sarsted. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think that's how you say it. Thanks, Jess. Uh, it's Thanks, been a Dan. All right. Bye. Bye. <laughs> this is a Fubar Radio podcast. Go to fubarradio.com for more details.